Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. You know, over the last several years, we have seen a, a, a huge rise in the number of, I guess what I would call them is, is Christian self-help books. And now, admittedly, I've not spent a lot of time reading that genre of literature. I did read one of those books a few years ago from one of the more prominent prosperity gospel preachers, mainly to see what they were saying in the book. And I found it odd that finding my best life now didn't involve nearly as much scripture as one might expect from a book making such bold promises from someone who pastors such a large, impressive congregation. You know, many of these books come from authors who... Well, let's just say they may not have the greatest handle on Christian doctrine. These books tend to be more like baptized versions of something you might find in Oprah's book club. They're kind of like marshmallows. There's a lot of fluff and not much substance and certainly no nourishment. The wisdom that we encounter in the book of Proverbs, however, is more than just Christian self-help. It's not an upgrade to our operating system or a, or a nice bonus room above the garage. It, it's, it's substance. It's, it, it, it matters. And, and that's because the focus of the book of Proverbs doesn't begin with the self. The focus in the book of Proverbs begins with, with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to understand that as we encounter these, these incredible words from this book, that there is, a, there is a sense of urgency in the sense that, that not as you might pick up a self-help book and sort of read as you, as you casually, uh, as you feel like it, but when you pick up the book of Proverbs, you are literally reading words that carry the weight of life and death. There is a sense of urgency within the pages of the book. You see, godly wisdom, it demands our attention, because it is truly a matter of life and death. It's not just a trendy pathway to upgrade your life, to upgrade your well-being for the time being. It truly does matter. And so this morning, I want us to consider that urgency as we continue down this pathway defined by the entry and the pursuit of godly wisdom. If you've got your Bibles, we're still in Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to finish Proverbs chapter 1 today. Uh, We'll be in verse 20 through the end of the chapter. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. I would invite you to stand with me as we read these words. Proverbs beginning in chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen. I have stretched out my hand, and no one is heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, 
but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Would have none of my counsel, despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without the dread of disaster. God, I'm grateful for the words and the warnings contained herein. Lord, following you is a dangerous call, but it is one that we must all pursue. Bless now the consideration of these words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, there's three main ideas that I want to take from these verses today as we consider this, uh, this introductory chapter. And the, the first thing I want us to remember is this. Wisdom is demanding. Wisdom is demanding. Have you ever encountered someone who demanded your undivided attention? You, you may think of, uh, you, may, you may know a name that immediately pops into your head. There's, there's no ignoring this person. They walk into a room and, and you stop whatever it is that you're doing. And you, can play, you pay complete attention to whatever it is that they're saying. Again, you may have a name attached to that image now. It may be a parent, a spouse, a, a co-worker, an employer. Someone who, who captivates every eye and every ear when they speak. You know, that's how wisdom is, is treated here. That's how wisdom is personified here in these first verses, verses 20 through 21. Now, remember, wisdom and folly are often presented in the book of Proverbs as having human-like characteristics. They're, they're personified is how we describe it in the Bible. And, and they come to us with these human characteristics, just like when we had the introduction to the series, Wisdom and Folly both built a house, and they were inviting the simple to enter in. There was a competing invitation that was there. Well, here wisdom is often portrayed as a woman, and, and here she is portrayed as a, as a kind of street preacher. You've encountered street preachers before, people who stand on the corner with a sign that says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, someone who's, who's got a sermon ready, who stands up and declares their, whatever it is that they're preaching to the masses. Well, here wisdom is given the characteristics of a, of a street preacher. But notice where she's preaching. She cries aloud in the streets and in the markets. She speaks in the noisy streets. We're told that she speaks there at the entrance to the city gates. Now, you may be trying to put together a geography in your mind of all these being locations where her message is being proclaimed, but ultimately what we're reading here is that wisdom is seeking an audience at the most important places in town. Wisdom is seeking an audience where the people are gathered. Wisdom is seeking an audience where, where all of the people are. And she is speaking out right there where commerce and culture and government all intersect. It's like she's got one of those huge screens in Times Square. And she is streaming her message to the masses. i tell you what, we need that today. We need wisdom to be declared where the intersection of culture and government and all of these things take place. Wisdom desperately needs to be heard. You know, if you sort of feel like me 
that we are living in a time of, of a lack of, of wisdom, a, I think a, a profound lack of wisdom, you sort of have to ask yourself, well, why? Why is there such a lack of wisdom in our civilization? Why is there such a lack of discernment, such a lack of, of dare we even say, common sense? Why is that lacking in this time? Well, it's because we're experiencing the consequences of raising generations of people who were looking for self-help and self-care and self-esteem. Where does wisdom begin? Not with self. Not with self. And so when we go about our days looking for self-help and self-care and self-esteem, we're missing where wisdom truly begins. A few weeks ago, we were up at the Red Cross uh, giving blood, and the, um, the nurse, uh, it, was, it was at the end of the day, and the nurses, they were, they were kind of, they were kind of acting goofy, and, and uh, they, the, they weren't very professional at that time, which is fine, I, you know, I mean, they're, they're not doing heart surgery, they're just taking blood, it, I didn't need professionalism, I needed somebody that was kind of relaxed and, and cutting up a little bit, and so, so um, the nurse came over with the, the, the swab, the alcohol swab to, to clean my arm where she was going to put the needle in, and, and she was, uh, she was cleaning it, and she was, she was looking at her watch while she, was, while she was scrubbing my arm with the alcohol, and I kind of was studying to see what she was doing. She said, I have to do this for, for 30 seconds. I said, really? I said, it's, uh, you know, it's that, you know, you have to keep it down to that, that level of time. She said, yeah. She said, you wouldn't believe it. She said, she said, earlier today, somebody came in to give blood, and they asked me to give them another 30 seconds. And I said, well, why is that? And she said that she was a single mom, and that was the only self-care that she got. Bless her heart, give her a massage. Uh, you know, we're living in this world where we have created this cult of self. Wisdom is not found with the joy in oneself. Wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. But I love what this is saying about wisdom's declaration here. Where is wisdom? Well, it's, it's in these public places. It's, at the, it's on the busy street. It's in Times Square. It's at, it's at Constitution Avenue. It's, it's on Main Street. It's where the people are. Wisdom is not hiding. God is not hiding. You know, sometimes we, we think that God is in some secret temple somewhere that you need Indiana Jones to help you crack the code. But God is there providing a voice of wisdom in the midst of civilization. He is crying out at Times Square and all of the other intersections of human life if we will simply learn to hear His voice. And wisdom, the voice of God, is pointing this frenzied, worried, self-absorbed world in a much better direction. He's showing us that in this world you can be smart, you can be cunning, but if you're focused on self, you cannot be wise at least in the biblical sense of the word. And so we understand that wisdom is demanding it. It wants our attention. It has words to speak to a world that has lost its way. Wisdom demands an audience. But secondly, we understand that wisdom is dangerous. You know, danger is not a word that we often think about 
when we think about the things of God. Nobody thought about today coming to church that this would be a dangerous thing to do. Maybe we think about it more with the pandemic going on. You know, we, we, we count the cost more of things, but we don't necessarily think about danger when we think about the things of, of church and the things of God. But then again, we, we don't often think about the guy who tried to steady the Ark of the Covenant when the ox stumbled. That was a dangerous day for him. We don't think about Ananias and Sapphira who lied on their way into the worship service and dealt with the wrath of God. We don't think about those things often, but we certainly can see that the things of God can clearly be dangerous. What exactly do we mean when we say dangerous? Well, ultimately, there's, there's two kinds of danger. There's two kinds of danger. The, the first kind of danger is like the danger of a poison. You know, poison can only be life-threatening. It, it doesn't matter how much poison. Poison has one purpose. Poison is, is life-threatening. If you go to the garage and get the antifreeze out, the antifreeze will always be poisonous, and it will always be life-threatening. You know, I often liken antifreeze to, to, to heavy drinking. You know, how much does it take to, to do you in, right? I mean, will, will a teaspoon of antifreeze do you in? I don't know, but I don't want to try it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, test my luck. They, they say antifreeze is sweet. I'll take their word for it. Why? Because I understand that it's poisonous. It, it's, it's life-taking, not life-giving. It has no, no good characteristic for me. It's only good for my engine and for the stray cats around the house. That's the only purpose that antifreeze has. <laughs> it's only life-threatening. Nobody ever intentionally ingests poison and thinks, if I do this right, I'll be better off when I'm finished. If I get this right, I'll be stronger as a result. Nobody ever does that. The doctor never looks at you and says, your course of treatment will require you to take a carefully measured dose of antifreeze daily. No, doc, I think I'll take a second opinion. It's poison. It has only one purpose, and it is destructive. But the other kind of danger is danger like fire. Fire can be deadly, as our children so wonderfully demonstrated for us this morning. Fire can be deadly, it can be destructive, it can, a fire in a fireplace is a good thing, but if the fire leaps out of the fireplace, it's suddenly a devastating thing. We saw an apartment complex over in Fort O that was devastated by fire yesterday. We've seen homes of folks be devastated by fire. Fire can be deadly, but sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes the Department of Natural Resources will, will conduct a controlled burn on public land to help protect against uncontrolled burns at a later date. Sometimes p firefighters will, will start a, a fire to suppress a wildfire. They'll, they'll have a controlled fire to burn up the fuel so that the wildfire has nothing left to burn. One of the metaphors that's used frequently in the Bible about fire is that it is a refining fire. You see, over the course of time, an impure metal that is subjected to fire, eventually all of the impurities will be removed. Gold is treated that way, where gold is mined in an ore, and it is subjected to heat over the course of time, and over the course of the heat that it's subjected to, eventually you're left with a gold that is pure and is, and is completely left of all the things that are impure there. But without the application of heat, without the application of fire, you can never remove the impurities. 
when we look at verse 22, you can't help but sense an urgency in the voice of wisdom. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long? You know, that question asked, how long? It's a, it's a question of urgency. Don't believe me? Have a child who needs to use the restroom in the back seat on, a, on an interstate journey. How long until we get to somewhere we can stop? That is a question of urgency. How long will you continue to love being simple? You see, folly, the opposite of wisdom, is, is like dangerous poison. It only leads to destruction. And ignoring the voice of wisdom, ignoring the voice of God is folly. It is an urgent situation. However, when we walk the pathway of wisdom, it forces us to encounter the refining fire of God's work in our lives. He says in verse 23, If you will turn at my reproof, I will pour out my spirit. I will make my words known. What exactly is reproof? Well, that's God's rebuke. Nobody likes to be rebuked, do they? Nobody ever likes to be doing something and somebody come along and offer a stern, firm rebuke. We don't like that. But God wants to offer us his rebuke. He wants to offer his, us his reproof. It is God's reproof. It is God's rebuke by which he takes all of the impurities of our life. He exposes them and then he works to remove them. And by removing them generally comes with that application of heat, God's refining fire. We are made more and more into his image as a result, just like gold is separated from the ore from which it is mined, the application of heat allows the purification of that metal. The same thing is true for us when it comes to our walk with the Lord. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, 7 says this, says, if you, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God applies the trials. God applies his reproof. God applies his discipline to our lives so that we can be refined, so that at the appearing in the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are found as pure, honorable offerings. Isaiah 48, verse 10, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Fire may be dangerous, but it's very much for our good. I want us to get very serious for just a moment. Look at verse 23, one more time. If you're an underliner, there's a word here you need to underline. Proverbs 1.23 says this, If you turn, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. That word turn, that word turn is, to use the modern terminology, is a, is a biblical trigger word. We got trigger words today. You hear something and it triggers you. Well, this is one that ought to trigger us as Christians when we see that word for turn. It's a trigger word that's calling for a very clear response. And the response that is expected here, there is a clear call for repentance. You see, when God reproves us, when he rebukes us, when he calls us out for our folly, whatever it may be, we have the option of two responses. 
We can continue on like nothing has ever happened, or we can stop and listen to the voice that is calling us to turn. You know, I believe we have a huge problem in American Christianity. We want to blame everything that is wrong on the politicians and the celebrities. It's Hollywood's fault. It's big technology's fault. This is clearly Mark Zuckerberg's fault. He logged all y'all out of Facebook this week. It's his fault. Everything is wrong. We want to blame the politicians. We want to blame all of these people. But I believe that Proverbs is giving us a key piece of insight into our world in verse 22. It has to do with the word for the simple. Who are the simple? One commentator called them the, the under-committed. In terms of faith, they lack seriousness and urgency. In Baptist churches, we might call them box checkers, the people who are simply checking the boxes on the envelope that's, that, that help us to realize that they're, they're decent folk. They have all the visible markings of decency. They come to church or they watch it online. They don't steal. They pay their taxes. They try to get along with their neighbors. But if they're very honest, and I mean taking a deep dive inside our hearts to see where we stand, if we're very honest, we have to acknowledge that within us and within our faith, there lacks substance, there lacks motivation to greater things, and there's a lack of longing for God's kingdom. That's a problem. That's a problem. For many who fall into the category of simple, they've, carried, they've carved out a nice little niche for themselves into the world. They really want to upset the balance by truly pursuing the demands of following the Lord Jesus Christ. And wisdom asks us a question. How long y'all going to keep that up? How long is that going to work? How long are you going to do this? How many more sermons will it take? How many more invitations will you skip? How many more whispers from the Holy Spirit will you ignore? There is risk, real risk here. It's exposed to us in verses 24 through 25. God has called, and they've refused to listen. God has stretched out his hand, and no one has taken it. God has provided clear guidance, but no one would listen to it. God has provided a clear rebuke, and no one would have anything to do with it. There's a part of the story of the Bible that doesn't get preached very much. There's a part of the story of the Bible that, that we're, we're afraid to go near. And we're afraid to go near it because it has real consequences. There comes a point when you reject the offer so many times that God ceases to offer it. There comes a point when God looks at us and He clearly says, you know what, it's time to knock the dust off your feet and move on. There, there comes a point, that's in Matthew 10, 14, he says that there comes a point when, when God says, it's time to remove that person from the fellowship of the church and turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, as he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 5. 
There comes a point when, when God does what he says in Romans chapter 1 and he turns us over to our own sinful urges. Those words aren't just in there for fun. They're in there because they matter, because they're serious. There, there comes a point where God says, as he does in Proverbs 131, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. There comes a point in which God says, if this is what you want, this is what you get. And we don't like that. We don't like it because it's scary. We don't like it because it's dangerous. But God's very clear in that regard. And the thing is, is we love the grace of God. We love to sing songs about God's grace. We all acknowledge we're debtors to God's grace. We love to hear sermons about God's grace. But we'd better be mindful that we don't presume upon the grace of God. Ray Ortland said it this way. He says, if we are too busy for God, he will judge us and he will not apologize. Some of us are put off by the language of verse 26 in Proverbs chapter 1 where God says, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. You see, that laugh is not the giggly laugh of a, of a, of a schoolgirl. That, that laugh is not the maniacal laugh of a villain. That's the laugh of amazement. That a person would choose the pathway of folly over the pathway of wisdom. We've all experienced that before. You, you've encountered somebody who did something that you, the only appropriate word to describe it is stupid. I mean, we don't, I don't like that word, but sometimes it's the only word that applies. Something that had such a, such a, a disconnection from reality that the only thing you could say is, man, that was dumb. And, and you may shake your head, but you may also find that you almost chuckle at amazement that someone would pursue such a ridiculous pathway in life. And all you can do is marvel in amazement at the depth of the foolishness. Listen to me. God has literally handed us everything that we need. He has completely met our deepest, most profound need by taking care of our sin problem. He has secured it. He has done everything necessary. He has offered it to us as a free gift of His grace. He takes care of the one thing that we cannot take care of, and He offers it to us as a gift And we would look the gift giver in the eye and reject the offer and pursue our own pathway in life. A pathway that is guaranteed to end in destruction. We can choose death by poison, 
or we can choose life refined by fire. For those who want to choose to go their own way, I have terrible news for you today. God will let you go. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, there's only two kinds of people in the world. There are those who say to God, thy will be done. And there are those to whom God says, thy will be done. Thirdly, wisdom is our safety. End of the chapter here. The words of wisdom here, the words of God here, point us to a storm that is coming. Only those who fear the Lord and possess wisdom can survive. These words, they sound familiar, though. They, they sound like something we've heard before. It, it just so happens that the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 sound very much like the words of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 1. If you recall not too long ago, we talked about two men who were in the house building business. One man built his house on the rock and another man built his house upon the sand. One house stood, the other house fell when the challenges of life were brought against it. When the storm rose, the only one that stood was the man who built his house on the rock. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It sounds really similar to Proverbs 1.33. Whoever listens to me will dwell securely and will be at ease without dread of disaster. There's no guarantee in this life that disaster will not come. We have no promises about tomorrow. We have no guarantees about our next breath. But a clear guarantee is this, we do not have to dread the disaster. There are many of us in Christian circles today that 2020 and 2021 have been marked by dread. We have dreaded COVID-19. We have dreaded elections. We have dreaded riots. We have dreaded this. We have dreaded that. We have dreaded storms. We had more hurricanes last year than, than we can remember We've dreaded, we've dreaded, we've dreaded, we've dreaded. Everything about our life has been characterized by dread. And the Bible tells us that we do not have to dread the disaster. Because we know where our hope is found. The disaster may come. The storm may blow. The, the illness may arrive. The other team might win. but I've got nothing to dread. We've got nothing to fear. Because <laughs> whoever listens to, to me, says the Lord, whoever listens to me will dwell securely and will be at ease. For those who go the other pathway, Proverbs says this. He says, they will call upon me but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. You know, that sounds like, that sounds a lot like that rich man 
who cried out for Lazarus, to return to warn his family about the coming judgment. There will come a day for all who choose a path of destruction where prayers are no longer answered. So Proverbs just got real serious. Real quick. Right here in the very first chapter. And the warning is simply this. You can let your journey through life be one that is characterized by yourself and your journey will be mocked by folly and your end will be determined by your rejection of knowledge and your failure to fear the Lord. And according to verse 32, if we're told that the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroy them, or you can seek out the wisdom of God that doesn't begin with self, but begins with the Lord and the fear and the reverence and awe for the Lord. And for those who do, they will dwell securely and will be at ease. You can choose poison or you can choose fire, but only one works for your good. So if you're simple, meaning you're uncommitted, underconcerned, casual about the things of God, you need to hear the urgency of wisdom's call today. Wisdom is meeting you today where you are, and it is asking for you to choose. Wisdom is crying out at your street. It is knocking at your front door, and it is asking for you to listen. Do fire or do poison, but beware the danger of each. The danger of poison ends in destruction. The danger of fire ends in you being a perfect image bearer of God walking into the gates of glory. Christ wants to walk with you in this life. He wants to refine you. He wants to purify you. He wants to clean off all that is flawed, all that is opposed to him. But he's also willing to let you go your own way and reap the rewards of your folly. He will allow you, if you want to, to walk straight into judgment. And he will not apologize for giving you that choice. The refining fire of God's reproof or the deadly poison of self. For those who choose to walk in God's reproof, we've got to let a world full of simple a world full of fools, a world full of scorners know that we're serious. We've got to let a world outside know that following Jesus in every avenue of our lives, our families, our businesses, our churches, following Jesus is serious. We've got to stop playing around with the children of folly and start to truly seek the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect of our lives. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you for serious words in Scripture that aren't to be ignored. Thank you for a clear, a clear distinction of what it means to walk in folly or what it means to walk in wisdom. And so, Lord, for those who are here who are trying to walk in wisdom, we ask for, for a clear, uh, just a, a clear sense of how serious it is, uh, of how important it is that we we stay true to our confession, how important it is that we walk in obedience to you, how important it is that everything about our lives, top to bottom, is covered with our, with our obedience to the Word of God. 
and our allegiance to King Jesus. Lord, for those who are here, who are listening, whose life has been characterized by being under-concerned, unmoved, uncommitted. God, there's a clear choice to make. Follow their own path or follow the path of wisdom. Choose poison or choose fire. God, I pray that as we, as a church, begin to come out of the the pains of this pandemic, as we begin to, to move out of the grasp of fear, God, that the world would know that we're, we're serious, that we mean business. That the Lord Jesus Christ is the absolute most important thing in each one of our lives. And if he isn't, And we have business to do right here, right now, today. God, it is frightening to think that you give us the means to choose. So may we choose wisdom over folly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.